0: Where are you? Mike did some, Mike, Mike had some of grandpa's old cough medicine last night. He's, Welcome back to Royals Weekly. I am your host, Marcus Mead, and joining me as always, the true patriarch of the Manson family, and the man I someday aspire to see behind bars, my brother Mike.
1: Okay, that is not what it says in the outline, ladies and gentlemen. He meant true patriarch of the Mead family, and the man that he someday aspires to be. And that's me. Thank you. Yeah, yes. yeah, wishes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike. He Mike is he
0: taking did. his first turn running the writing the outline this week, and as a result, he uh, first and changed last. a few things first up. And last. Yes, first right. and last turn writing the outline this week. I was busy today and could not get around to writing it. Thank you so much, Mike, for doing that. But I'm uh, changing every joke in here to be about you. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Welcome back to Royals Weekly. Glad to have you on. This week's episode, we'll dig into a more inspiring week for the Royals. It wasn't a terrible week last week for the Royals uh, take our final look at the MLB draft. I don't think we're no, doing no, that. Sorry, anymore, we're Mike. Are we do still that. doing that? Nope. So Mike can't even get the first five seconds of the outline, right? Yeah. He's just, we were- instead of looking at the draft this week, we're going to talk about recent promotions in minor league pitching and some minor league pitching development. That is, uh, something interesting to pay attention to. And then we'll preview next week's games. Maybe we'll do some draft talk next week, yeah. uh, leading up to the draft coming up soon. Um, but first, we have a, another review to talk about. As usual, we will read our the Apple reviews that get done for us on Apple Podcasts. We got another one today, and you go out, write another one. Write an Apple Podcast review. Give us a thumbs up on everything. Give us five stars. Helps everybody find the show. Helps us create a nice whole community here. This is someone calling themselves Christopher0713, and the title of it is Five Star Pod for a One Star Team. okay that makes sense yeah that checks out very funny (laughs) that's funny all right and christopher says excellent analysis and great guys provides a ray of sunshine in these dark dark days of royals baseball or whatever you want to call whatever is happening on the field
1: wow christopher (laughs) nail hammer you hit it right on the head brother way to go
0: nice job Thank you, Christopher. We really appreciate it. As always, make sure you're out there giving us reviews, ratings, and all that sort of stuff. We really appreciate it. Also, we want to let you know that Royals Weekly is brought to you by All In Physical Therapy. For one-on-one personalized physical therapy, we choose All In Physical Therapy. They took excellent care of our mother after surgery left her with pain and limited mobility in her arm. She loves to work out. Be active.
1: Challenge the local sheriff to a gentleman's duel.
0: The excellent specialized care she got at All in Physical Therapy had her back to being active in no time.
1: All she eats now is creatine, beef jerky, and the souls of her vanquished enemies, ladies and gentlemen.
0: It's working. Mm-hmm. It's working. She's just mass on mass on mass. Uh, All in Physical Therapy knows how to help athletes recover. It's owned and operated by Lee its own Tommy Frevert, a former Arena League football player, Northwest Missouri State Bearcat, and a hell of a guy. They have offices in Blue Springs and Lee Summit, so get over there to work with Tommy. Tell your doctor you want to do your physical therapy with the best of the best at All-In Physical Therapy. To learn more, give them a call at 816-427-5300, that's 816-427-5300, or visit their website at allin-pt.com, that's A-L-L-I-N-PT.com. We'll start the review of last week with with roster news. Uh, not a ton of that going on. Some minor things on the margins here and there. Several prospects and big leaders begin rehab assignments this, this week. Amir Garrett went out on a rehab assignment. So gra- glad to see Ryan Yarbrough out on a rehab assignment. It's looking like that uh, injury he had taking a line drive off of his head is going to have uh, less downtime than I imagined it might. When he went on the 60-day, I'm like, this guy, he's done for a long time, right? But it uh, looks like he might be able to come back sometime soon because he went and had a rehab start for, I think Omaha yesterday, if I'm not mistaken. So we'll see. Diego Hernandez, another guy, a guy you might remember from spring training. I think he got hurt there. Also been out on a rehab assignment with surprise Arizona, the uh, sort of rookie ball uh, affiliate down there. Um, he's, he's out there doing rehab assignment too. Uh, on the relief bullpen side, James MacArthur was promoted to the major leagues this year. He's a guy that the Royals, like they, they didn't sign him. They like, it was like some sort of fringe trade kind of a thing.
1: I don't it was even like <laughs> uh,
0: it, I think they got MacArthur for like, they traded him for cash uh, or traded cash for him, but they, they, he's been pitching well in Omaha. They brought him up, sent Jackson Kowar back to Omaha after a couple of tough outings uh, here in the major leagues level. And then another sort of marginal thing, Matt Beatty, who the Royals had just brought up, uh, got into a collision with Samad Taylor went on the seven-day concussion injured list, and as a result, Nate Eaton was brought up to fill his spot. Mike, any thoughts on the roster news this week?
1: Uh, it's interesting that Nate Eaton is coming up and down because I think they've limited the number of times. You can you can send a guy up and down now to five, if I'm not mistaken. It's five, and so he's going to – he's it's not even the All-Star break, and I think he's at three or four. So, uh, yeah, three, yeah, he's got – so he's likely to hit that limit. Uh, Beatty was doing some good things. So it's a little uh, sad to see him go down for that, but he'll be back soon. I'm interested to see MacArthur pitch for the first time because I really don't know anything about him. So uh, we'll be looking for that this week to see him get in for the first time.
0: Yeah, some great uh, strikeout and walk numbers from MacArthur. So hopefully he can translate some of that to Major League Baseball. And boom, you got a bullpen piece right there. On the field, the Royals went 3-4 and four last week. That brings their overall record to 22-56. Uh, they started the week by dropping a series to a below-average Tigers team. That was a not great thing to see. Uh, but then they ended up splitting with the best team in baseball. Four-game series in Tampa Bay against the Rays, and they took two games. Had a chance to win the series outright today. Were competitive in the game, but didn't end up winning. Um, it's a weird game folks and this is one of the best weeks the royals have had this year. Mike explain to the how the royals became the scrappy hero we all wanted them to be. We all root for them to be.
1: Well, this week was different. It felt different this week because we've seen some progress from guys that we can look forward to in the future. We've seen Bobby Witt Jr. take take a step forward offensively with the patience and approach at the plate. We've seen Austin Cox come out and be and look like a guy who deserves a spot in the rotation. We've seen um uh, Michael Garcia just looked like a, a year's veteran big leader in the field. And with the bat, we've seen some odd Taylor come up and provide some energy in spots. Freddie for mean uh, came up huge in that race series with the big three run home run. Uh, these are young guys that you expect to see on the roster in the future, that it looks like they're taking a step forward. When you compete against the best team in the game, it's going to excite your fan base a little bit. And so, and that's what I said, like a few weeks ago when it was real, real bad and they lost five or six games in a week and, it, you were seeing no progress from anybody. Yeah, nobody wants to watch that. But if you can see your the guys you're going to be counting on taking steps forward, that makes you excited as a Royals fan because the bar is a real low,
0: a real low. Yeah, it is. You're right. It's all about those guys who've sort of supplemented this roster lately. It's about Freddie Freeman and it's about Dyron Blanco and it's about Mikel Garcia and it's about Samad Taylor, like and Austin Cox. These are the guys who are really driving. The progress forward on this team. Yes, Bobby Witt Jr. has taken a step forward, and that's crucial. Yes, Nick Prado has played pretty well, struggling a little bit lately, but it's not Salvador Perez having one of his, you know, white hot weeks. That's not what's taking place. What's taking place is these guys, Fermin, Blanco, all those guys, they're coming out and putting together consistent plate appearances, and that's allowing the Royals to score some runs. And then you get an outing like what Daniel Lynch did today, what Austin Cox has been doing, you know, you get some decent outings from the pitching staff and that gives you a chance to win. You know, it's, it's not a complicated formula. Pitchers keep the team in the game. Offense have good plate appearances, bullpen shut it down. It's, you know, it's fairly simple uh, in those terms. And so, yeah, last week we saw what might be, that's the best series they've played against the Rays this year. That is the absolute best that they've played. And it was, it was nice to see against a team that as high profile and as good as the Rays are. We mentioned there were some strong performers this week. Mike, who did you like to see out there on the field against the Rays and Tigers last week?
1: Well, I haven't gotten to watch the uh, start that he had today and Daniel Lynch, but uh, I watched the last one. Um, I had to put him on here. That was the thing. I was like, I, I had seen that you hadn't put him on there. I was like, we've got to talk about Daniel Lynch. Uh, he got two starts this week, 13 innings pitch total with just one earned run. Now, the thing that still gets me is still not very big on the strikeout numbers, just four strikeouts in 13 innings, three walks, which is good. You want to look low level of walks. That's great. Um, I'm still not completely sold that Daniel Lynch can be that consistent guy. And I still think there's stuff he needs to do, especially with his fastball, um, to improve his stuff. But, when you go out there and you throw a 13-innings pitch and you only give up one run, you get to be a, a strong performer for the week. And so uh, good for Daniel Lynch, and I hope to keep seeing it uh, down the road, But um, I, and I'll be very interested tonight. As soon as we're done here, I'm going to watch today's game and uh, really take a hard look at Daniel Lynch because the, the kind of common theme, even I think last week he was a weak performer for me when he gave up seven earned runs in seven innings. The common thread, though, even when he's been bad, the changeup has still been good. That to me is something to build on. You know, he's been throwing strikes even when he's been getting pounded. He's been throwing strikes and he's got a change up to work with. Improve the fastball and I think you really have something to go with or even stop throwing the fastball as much and really improve the slider and you've got something to work with. But improve one of those other pitches and I think Daniel Lynch is going to take a, a big step forward as a, a stalwart of the rotation.
0: Yeah, Lynch is an interesting dude. The strikeout numbers aren't there. You're right about that. And I'm wondering if one of the reasons might not be that teams are lining up a ton of right-handers against him and that changeup works against them, but it's not necessarily a strikeout pitch. It's not necessarily an out pitch. And in part because they know that's the pitch he's going to go to when he needs a swing and miss against a right-hander. And so they they can at least put it in play. They're not doing a lot with it, right? And when he brings that fastball in on their hands, yeah, they're hitting fly balls to the outfield. They're just not hitting them out of the ballpark right now. You wonder if that might not change, you know, moving forward, he can be home run tendency when he, when he starts leaking that fastball over the middle of the plate, guys hit it out of the ballpark a lot. And so we'll see on that front, but he's the type of guy who it's possible, at least for this year, for him to be somewhat successful, somewhat league average, just not walking a ton of people, throwing strikes, even if he's not getting a ton of strikeouts might still be able to have a little bit of success.
1: Yeah, I really like the change up because that's what he gets the most swing and misses on, but I don't think it doesn't have the arm side action that Bubich's does. So I don't think he is going to get as many putaways with it just because the ball doesn't move as much as you do with Bubich. Now, the, the change in velocity from his fastball is very good, but I don't know if it'll ever be that complete strikeout pitch kind of a thing. That's why I'd like to see him develop one of those other pitches a little bit. So we'll see.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. My strong performer for this week is another guy we just talked about, a guy I'm ex- I'm just, I like him. I like him as a player. We we picked him to make the opening day roster and they didn't put him on it because I think we have a lot of faith in, in this guy. And that's Freddie Fermin. He only got nine at-bats this week, but he went six for nine. He had six hits of those nine at-bats. Two doubles, one home run. You mentioned the home run, big three-run home run to put them up in a, in a game against the Rays there. He had a walk and only one strikeout. It looks like he's back in a groove offensively. He came out and he was pretty hot when he first got up in the major leagues, and then he kind of started dragging a little bit, and now he's back up again. He's the type of guy who, solid defensively behind the plate, looks like real solid uh, offensively, n- was never on anybody's radar as a prospect, really, until he started hitting in AAA. Maybe he's a late bloomer. He's only like 27, 28, but he's a guy who could add tremendous value giving Salvador Perez some time off behind the plate. He's been kneeling, dealing with nagging injuries. He's always got this eyesight thing going on that he's, you know, constantly fighting. Give him some more days off, get Freddie Fermin in this lineup. It looks like he's going to hold his own.
1: Yeah, and I've said this before. You cannot convince me there are 29 catchers in Major League Baseball that are better better than Freddie Fermin. There aren't. I, I don't believe it, so.
0: There aren't. And the reality is he's also, yeah, a trade asset if you'd like to trade him. I mean, you want somebody there after Salvador Perez, in the post-Salvador Perez era, he might be your best option for catcher right now anyway. I mean, they have more guys coming along in the pipeline, but right now, Freddie Vermeen is really holding his own and definitely looks like a big league year uh, and perhaps even a big league starter. So wasn't a tremendous week for everyone. And so Mike, who stood out to you as not having a, a great week this week?
1: I have Zach Granke down there and you know, you Boom. can always count on a Zach Granke interview to give you. The the real truth, the dirt, the stuff. Wrong. And Greinke came out and just said, "Yeah, my stuff isn't really good enough anymore to strike guy enough guys out that I needed to strike out." Like, okay, you are correct, Zach Greinke. But there's Zach Greinke. But four point two innings pitched, nine hits in four point two innings, and seven earned runs with only three strikeouts. Three strikeouts in four and two thirds inning is about what Zach, the best Zach Greinke, is going to give you with the stuff that he has. I mean, he doesn't throw very hard. He he relies on guile and pitching smarter than what hitters are hitting. And so if you've got a team that's like the Rays or, you know, like in that mold where they're extremely patient, they all take good plate appearances. It's tough to get through. I mean, it's tough to get through a lineup that way. And so, yeah, Zach had a rough week. Um, I saw somebody, some people speculating, Oh, would Zach Greinke go somewhere else after this year? I call on it here. First Zach Grinky will either play for the Royals for the rest of his career or he will retire. He will not be playing for another team. And so uh, that, that's my hot take, if you want to call it that. Granky is either done after this year, or maybe he signs one more year if he thinks he still has it, but he'll be on a one-year deal with the Royals forever, or he'll retire, I think.
0: So Yeah, that that seems highly likely to me as well. And, you know, Zach is true, or it's true what he's saying. He Everybody knows that's the case too, and he's not, you know, completely oblivious to his own abilities. And so, yeah, he does not have the type of stuff necessary to compete at the highest levels of 2023 baseball anymore but you know get him back in Kauffman Stadium give him a couple starts where he's you know got some opponents he can outthink out there he'll be all right i think it's weird we got to this point last year he had a stretch last year where he was like giving up a bunch of runs on the road he went down to Arizona and gave up a bunch of runs and somewhere else and people were like oh he's cooked and then by the end of the year he has an ERA under 4 and he was one of their best pitchers and it's like okay maybe maybe he'll be all right my week performer this week uh, does not have nearly the track record of a Zach Granke. Uh, and that's MJ Melendez. He's a guy a lot of the Royals Twitter sphere and blogosphere and commentariat is talking about. And they're wondering, does he need to be sent down? Uh, he went four for 22 last week with no extra base hits, 10 strikeouts and three walks. It's the strikeouts that get you. And he had a, he had a plate appearance against Tyler Glass now today that looked as bad as one looks. I mean... He's kind of like swinging through fastballs up and it it was bad. He looked like he lacked a lot of confidence. And part of the reason you send him down to AAA is you give him the opportunity to work on stuff that he really won't get the opportunity to work on here at the major league level. Major league level is about performing, not working on stuff. Get him down there, give him a chance to work on what he needs to work on, but also give him a chance to get his confidence back. He is having confidence struggles. He made a big error in a game this week against Tampa, you know, it's like, he just needs to like reset his mind and get back up here ready to compete because right now it's not looking good for MJ Melendez. He needs some time to, I think, get some stuff together.
1: Agree completely. I would love to see him go, go down. You know, this is the time to do it. We're not competing this year. Get him down there. a la a Mike Moustakas when he went down or, or, uh, you know, Alex Gordon went down for a little while after he'd already come up, you know, get him down there, get his head right get him back to up here and to swinging because like you said, you can't work on stuff at the major league level when you're expected to perform, you can, in A, you can sit there for a hole at bat, just taking pitches. If you want to, just to look at him, say, should have swung at that one. Shouldn't swing at this one. Like you can do whatever you want to do. And so, yeah, I would really like to see him uh, go down and, and not only for him, but also let's bring up a uh, Tyler Gentry or a, uh, you know, some other, or give some odd Taylor some more time in the outfield, like whatever we need to do. Um, I think MJ Belendez desperately needs, uh, to go down there for that confidence boost and to refine that approach and really get some good at bats working on what am I swinging at and what am I not swinging at?
0: Yeah. And Michael Massey will be back in this, uh, on the roster before too long off the IL. It'll be interesting to see what they do there. Will do they send some Taylor back down? Do they send somebody else back down? I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Mike, what was your theme coming off a week that mm, had some ups and downs, but at least ended looking pretty good.
1: My theme is David ties Goliath. Hmm. So imagine if in the old Testament, instead of duking it out with slings and whatnot, David and Goliath just went up there and shook hands as gentlemen and parted ways as friends. Okay. That's, that's what we had this week when the Royals went to Tampa, you and I said, we'd be lu- They'd be lucky if they won a game. Okay. A lot of people were talking like that. They win two games against the best team in baseball. And they looked good in those games too. That's so what's important. Really they nice to looked see that good. And and when you when you kind of compare those games to either the, you can even say in the two games they lost in that series, but if you definitely compare that series to the Tigers series, you're going to see in the Tiger series the Royals creating their own mistakes a lot: base running errors, fielding errors, swinging at pitches that are way outside the zone, uh, hitting batter, like all this other crazy stuff. Uh, Whereas if you just compare that to the those wins in the race series, you're going, that's what professional baseball looks like and can be in Kansas City. You know, I watch when I watch for when I watch Michael Garcia play defense, all I think is that is a professional defender, a left side defender, shortstop, third base, wherever you want to put him. He gets it every single time. When you watch Edward Olivares do it, it's something completely different. And so not bagging on Olivares because I think he's a valuable major league player. But um Yeah, it's the difference between good Royals and bad Royals. Bad Royals look like they don't even, they aren't professionals. Good Royals look like what a talented professional team can be.
0: Yeah, and my theme for this week is they have it in them. I mean, we see it in that race series. They have that quality of baseball in them. Now, it's about finding the right combination of players. It's about, you know, being consistent and things Consistency, like that. Yeah, yeah, it's about that. But some of these players are more ready to be consistent than others, right? Nick Prado is more ready to have consistent at-bats than Michael Massey, if we're comparing the two, right? Those guys, the, the Samad Taylors of the world, the Michael Garcias of the world, the Diron Blancos of the world, they look like they're more ready to have consistent performances at the plate and in the field than some of the other guys who were here previously. That's not a knock on Massey or or some of the others consistency is a huge part of being successful in this game. It's one of the reasons the Rays are as good as they are, is they don't have, they don't go up there and have those kind of at-bats. They don't make those terrible base running mistakes. They don't make those terrible defensive mistakes, at least not in the quantity that the Royals seem to have made them up to this point. It's nice to know that they have this level of quality in them. Hopefully they can just maintain that level of quality throughout and we'll see some more winning baseball moving forward. Royals Weekly is brought to you by Knapp Family Wealth. Mike, can you think of anything more important than securing your financial future?
1: Hmm. A robust collection of illegal fireworks.
0: No, illegal fireworks are for closers.
1: (laughs) How about Nick Cannon's birth control plan? That seems pretty important. What
0: birth control plan?
1: (laughs) Exactly.
0: (laughs) Securing your financial future is one of the most important steps someone can take for themselves and their family, and Knapp Family Wealth is ready to help you pursue it. This isn't some big faceless corporation we're talking about here. Knapp Family Realth is run by JC Knapp. He's a huge baseball fan, and he's been helping people plan for their financial futures for 20 years. He can help with retirement planning, so you don't have to work till you're dead. Education planning, so Nick Cannon's 800 Kids Learn to Read Good. Investment management, so you get all that money from out of your mattress and get it working for you. Don't spend another day thinking you've got it all figured out, because trust me, you don't. Check out Nap Family Wealth at napfamilywealth.com. That's K-N-A-P-P FamilyWealth.com. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member F-I-N-R-A slash S I P C. This week, our spotlight segment, we take a look at some exciting pitching developments in the royal system. The pitching staff at the major league level could be described as a colonoscopy with a nail-studded two by four. <laughs> Mike got real creative with yeah. that one. But a couple of things have happened in the minor leagues that perhaps provide a little hope for the future for the Royals. Uh, before we jump into those changes, though, let's talk a little bit about the current state of the Royals pitching. Mike, what things do currently about the Royals pitching staff do you like or hope about?
1: What gives me hope with the, with yeah. the current staff? Yeah. Not a whole heck of a lot, but um, there are there are some pieces, some possible pieces for moving forward. You and I talked about Daniel Lynch. You know, I do think some, some changes still need to be made. There needs to be some serious development of Daniel Lynch in this second half of the season. And that's really how the Royals and Lynch should look at it. Not as I'm competing in this. I'm developing at the major league level. I'm hoping is how they look at that. But then I haven't given up on Brady Singer yet. I still think there's a possibility he can be a, a rotation piece. Possibly, if not, if that doesn't work out, turn him into maybe a bullpen guy. Austin Cox has shown some things and then Carlos Hernandez has shown some things as well. So there may be some small things, but outside of that, outside of those guys, I don't know that there's a whole lot to work with. So it, the, the the staff as a whole, and this has been, you know, obviously this has been borne out in numbers and, you know, performance as well is not good. Okay. It's bad, but there are some things you might be able to pluck out of there to use still moving forward. And of course, we have no idea how Bubich is going to look when he comes back um, and, and some other guys who have been injured. But uh, yeah, that's you know some pieces there, but not much.
0: Don't forget, Brad Keller is still on this team.
1: <laughs> I, yeah, I was thinking about that yeah, when I wrote that. Oh, but, yeah. but here's I the thing. About but him. he isn't. But like, he isn't. Because right? after this year, he's done. Yeah, exactly. Like, whether we trade him or don't trade him, he's probably gone after this year. So
0: yeah. Uh, Daniel Lynch is the thing that... I'm sort of still hanging some hope on. I agree with you. There's a chance that Singer can still be a viable rotation piece and things like that if he ever decides he wants to throw more than two pitches. And Austin Cox has looked good. And I'm, I'm curious to see what that'll look like moving forward. But there are 13 pitchers on a pitching staff, right? And you need even more than that because of injuries and stuff like that. Right now, we're pointing to four, <laughs> okay? And I'm no math magician, but... Four uh,
1: maybes, too. Four, not four locks. Four maybes. Four Four maybes.
0: In 13 is not where you want to be uh, to be a successful team. Right. And so, yeah, it's it's not real bright. Those four maybes maybe give you a glimmer of hope. But man, I'd rather honestly, I'd rather have 10 maybes or 12 maybes. I'd rather have 10 or 12 locks. But obviously, that's way too much to ask for. So Let's start by talking a couple of guys in the minor league system who have been promoted recently, who I think might offer some at least hope or some interesting things to look at moving forward. Mike, what do you think about Anhel Zerpa and Jonathan Bolan We put them in our first group of guys, two guys sort of coming off of injuries. Uh, Zerpa's making rehab starts down in double A recently. Bolan ha- was making starts in double A, has now been promoted to triple A. What are your thoughts on uh, those two prospects and their chances of helping the big league rotation?
1: Well, I'm a, before his injury, I was a big Jonathan Bolin guy, um, mostly because I liked the sinker so much. The thing that has been carrying him kind of since he comes back, or the thing that people have been talking about since he has come back, is how hard he's throwing a four-seam fastball. So yes, I'm interested in that, um, but I really liked the sinker, and he is still throwing the sinker. I still believe in Bolin's ability. His kind of uh, overall numbers at Double A AA and Triple A haven't been fantastic. His ERA is a little high, I think, but the strikeout numbers have been there—forty-nine uh, strikeouts in forty innings, uh, fourteen walks. That's not bad either. Um, the problem right now, in, the, in since he's been back, has been the home run trouble. He's giving up uh, way too many home runs. That's been biting him. You hope that evens out over time. If not, if he become, if it, you may have to start saying, okay, is that the, even though that fastball is you know topping out at ninety-seven, uh, maybe we go back to the sinker a little bit more. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so I, I'm excited about him and hell Zerpa's is a little bit different. I always loved that he threw strikes that he didn't have a lot of walk problems. He's had some major league time. I don't know if he's ever going to be a guy that sticks in a major league rotation. He strikes me more as a guy that kind of back and forth, you know, spot start here, then goes back to triple a. So, but I, I'm interested to see both of them go. I'm really interested to see bowling though. That's, that's the guy I'm really hanging my hat on.
0: Yeah. These two are interesting. It's interesting that we we paired them together because in some ways they're similar, right? Guys coming off injury and that sort of thing. Uh, guys who are, have a little bit more risk, I think associated with them in terms of their ability to stick in the major leagues, right? Bolin, I think his risk right now is mostly like, well, the overall numbers aren't good. The peripherals are better. Is he going to be a home run risk? Is he going to, you know, that, that type of risk, whereas Zerpa, the risk is just, will he have the stuff to stick at the major league level? Um, So there's some risk there for both of them. That makes them a little bit similar, but they're also wildly different. Like you couldn't find almost find more different pitching prospects. Whereas Bolin's stuff is, we know pretty good and he has the strikeout numbers and stuff like that. The overall numbers aren't really there. Whereas Zerpa's stuff, it's pitchability, it's location. The strikeout numbers are only ever going to be probably okay, even at the major league level. And the stuff isn't going to be like, they're just two different profiles of pitcher really like, and so, You wonder if, like, will either one of them make it? Like, you're trying two different profiles to stick in the major leagues. We'll see on that. I did get a chance to watch Bolin's first AAA start. It was another one of those weird ones for him where he looked good. They didn't really hit him that hard until some guy put a ball out or two guys put a ball out or something like that, you know. And, you know, he'll benefit from things like a major league level defense and stuff like that, but or a bigger park in Kaufman but you got to wonder if like there might be some issue with how much he gets hit and how much those balls leave the park. Several guys just received promotions over the last couple of weeks, maybe last week and that sort of thing. And uh, there are guys who we can keep our eyes on as the future of the Royals pitching. And some of them are even relatively close to the major leagues. Uh, we had uh, a friend of the show. Alec Marsh was promoted where else? weekly bump y'all. Um, mm-hmm. He's been pitching very well in AAA. Anthony Veneziano was promoted just before him. Uh, the, so far, Marsh has looked good in Omaha with 10 innings pitched. He has 13 strikeouts, five walks, and he's given up just two earned runs. Mike, should Royals fans be excited about 25-year-old Alec Marsh?
1: I, I think they should. Um, you know, you and I have discussed, and I think we may have even talked about it with Alex, about how he's really got some good stuff. The, the fastball's a little bit suspect, but his secondary pitches are solid. And last year was a really weird year for him where the strikeout numbers were very, very good. And we just talked about this with Bolin, but the actual uh, results were quite bad. And we even talked about that with with, uh, Alec on Alec Marsh this summer when we had an interview with him on the show. And he was very honest about it. And we've talked a lot about process versus um, production. That and so that interview was way back
0: that. in the winter. That was not in the summer. That was, was way way back. Yeah, the summer are you? Where in the are offices, you? Mike did some. Mike Mike yeah. had some of grandpa's old cough medicine last night. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and so, but no, I think that Royals fans should be excited about Alec Marsh. I really do. He he strikes me as the kind of guy who, he could be the kind of guy who, like, comes up has not great numbers in AAA and they promote him to the majors anyway, like they did with Prado on the hitting side where you go, Hey, his secondary numbers, his peripheral numbers are very good. We are going to bring him into major league baseball and see if the things like you were just talking about benefit him pitching in Kaufman stadium, uh, you know, having the plans de- developed by uh, Zach Bovey, helping him all that sort of stuff that he benefits from those things. So it, you, I think your hot take at the beginning of the year was that Marsh would have a start in major league baseball this year, He's definitely going to do that, I think. And he's I on think track. if you want another hot take, he's in that starting rotation uh, to start 2024.
0: Yeah, I think I think Marsh is a guy definitely worth getting excited about. And Alex Duval of Royals Farm Report. Go check out that Twitter account because he was putting out some stat cast numbers on Marsh and his you know, spin rates and, and, and things he was doing with the fastball and his fastball does look improved this year. And and in those AAA outings, and we're getting that data that shows us that the fastball looks like it'll play at the major league level when he locates it up to guys, don't hit it up there. They don't even touch it. Like when he's got the right game plan, I feel like he can be a really effective pitcher. And oddly he might look back at 2022 and say, actually that year helped me because he developed a cutter as a result of his fastball not working all that well. And so now he has a couple of different pitches he can work off of and his fastball's gotten better. And so you're talking about a guy who's learning from his mistakes and learning from the struggles that he's gotten. And I love to see that physically. I saw him in a storm Tracer's uniform the other day on TV. That dude, he might need to get out of the weight room. He looks jacked in his uniform. Oh my Lord. It's incredible. And so, you know, He's going to be there physically. He's the type of good enough athlete, good enough stuff. Let's see if it translates to the major leagues. I hope he keeps just mowing them down in AAA and gets a call up sometime soon. A guy who went up there a little bit before him, Anthony Veneziano, has pitched 29 and two-thirds innings in Omaha with 23 Ks and 16 walks. It's a few too many walks. That brings his ERA to 3.64 over that time, but he does have a 5.82 adjusted fielding independent pitching. Uh, Can Veneziano work into this rotation at some point, Mike? Does he have a future for the Royals as a starter?
1: Um, I'm less certain on this than I am Marsh. Uh, Veneziano is the kind of guy I think that if you can really develop, if your development program is top notch, which I think the Royals is better. I don't know that it's top notch, but I think a guy like Veneziano probably becomes somebody in the back of your rotation. Uh, You're four or your five and you're okay with that left side. He's got pretty good stuff. The walk numbers are a little alarming since the promotion, um, but I haven't I haven't watched him enough live to really say for sure, yes, he's the guy. So I will defer to you on this one.
0: So it's not overly surprising that some of the wash issues have crept in as he moved to AAA. The same thing happened to Drew Parrish last year, who had a bunch of success at AA, went up to AAA, lost some of his mechanics trying to do too much, never got him back has been demoted at this point. Um, Veneziano is a big lanky lefty, easy to get out of his mechanics and start throwing too many uh, balls. And so, you know, not overly surprising that the walk numbers have been in there, but he, his first outing or two was rough in AAA, but he's recovered and he's starting to pitch a little bit better. I think he's the type of guy who as a starter might have those games where you're just like, this guy can't throw a strike you know, like, but the good news about this coaching staff and this pitching uh, coaching staff is that they seem like they'll identify the issues much faster and make adjustments much faster than previous regimes when they were like, well, we needed a special camera in Arkansas to tell us that this guy was, you know, get out of it. It's like, no, no, forget that noise. Like these guys figure out these mistakes much faster and can sort of make those adjustments when need be. I'm a little bit bullish on Veneziano because the stuff is there. And right now I'm looking for anybody with major league quality stuff. And so, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Veneziano makes a start sometime soon uh, in major league baseball. I don't know what his 40 man roster uh, status is. Marsh, I, I know is on the on. 40 man.
1: Yeah. I don't think Marsh is on
0: there. the 40 man. And so he's likely to make a start, but uh, don't know if Veneziano, I think Veneziano will get a chance in the rotation at some point in the next year. Uh, and hopefully he can take advantage of that.
1: One thing that you and I have talked about uh, with guys like maybe Hernandez, and we've seen it some with Quas uh, and, you know, Mayer B- or Meyer before he went down and stuff like that. Could Veniciano morph kind of into these, one of these multi inning reliever kind of guys um, and be very effective in that role. I think that maybe could be something that he does. The issue with that is you don't want guys who walk people in that role. <laughs> like that's sometimes one of the worst kind of pictures you can put there. Um, but if, if, my thought is if he doesn't work out in the starting rotation, he certainly has the ability to play in that kind of role.
0: Yeah, that's the great thing about Veneziano. Rel- yeah, there's reliever risk there, but you know you can get a quality reliever out of him because I think his splits against lefties are really good. I think lefties have a difficult time hitting him. And so at the very least, you know, you're getting a guy who's going to be a very good left-handed specialist uh, or potentially even a, a bulk reliever like that or a multi inning reliever. The stuff is there and, and, and you cannot say that enough about enough guys in this organization, especially the ones who are in the upper minors. And so Veneziano needs to get every chance to start. I think he will, but I think if ultimately that doesn't pan out, he could be a very successful reliever for them and a guy who can go two or three innings instead of just one at a time. There's another guy who I'm a big fan of, Uh, Joe town's finest, Noah Cameron also got promoted to from high A to double A in the last couple of weeks. He struggled since being promoted with an ERA of five. His strikeout rate is down tremendously and his walk rate is up. He needed this promotion. It was time for him to get promoted. Uh, Mike, do you think that he can make the adjustments needed to be successful moving forward?
1: Uh, yeah, let's, let's mention real quick that double A is, is very difficult. Okay. Double A often has like the, some of the, like really it's where a lot of the best prospects spend the most time, right? And so the, a lot of those teams are stacked, and so we talk about the big jump from Triple A to the big leagues. It's a big jump from High A to Double A as well, okay? And so it's not surprising to see somebody go there and struggle a little bit. The reason that I think Noah Cameron can still be successful and can make those adjustments is because he has something very concrete to lean on, and that is his curveball. Noah Cameron has a damn good curveball. It is left-handed, fall out of the sky, kind of Barry Zito type of thing. Okay. And I really like it. And so I think he can always lean on that pitch, and then they can work on other things. If the fastball is not working, or if he needs a to throw a, a better third pitch, whatever it is, I think they can do that while he leans on the curveball still. And so there's always going to be kind of that thing to hold on to for him. Um so I'm not, you know. He was too old for high A. He was dominating high A. And so now I think for the rest of this year, and he may he probably starts in double A again next year. Uh, I'll be really interested to see how Noah Camera play Noah Cameron plays in the last half of this year and to start next year in double A because he's somebody who, if he can move into triple A next year, you're looking at him getting a start in Major League Baseball possibly at the end of next year.
0: Yeah, he's an interesting dude right now. You you mentioned like, oh, there are things that he can work on and, you know, he has this thing that he can lean on. I think he might be working on those things right now. He hasn't pitched since June 10th, which is 15 days ago, but he's not on the injured list. And so that makes me wonder like, oh, did they kind of like quietly pull him out of the rotation so they can work on something? And then, or maybe he's got like a blister, you know, you never know yeah. why, but Right now, he is working on those things. Whatever they are, he's working on them. I haven't had a chance to watch. I watched maybe one of those starts. Um, Now, I don't even think I have a chance to watch a full one of them. And so I need to go back and watch some of the film uh, of his double-A starts. But you're right. You like so much of that secondary stuff from him. I think he's got a good change-up too. He's just, there's a lot of potential with him. The One thing about him is he doesn't throw that hard. In 2023, is that as big of a deal? In my mind, no, like if you can generate movement, the fact that you don't throw 98 is not that big of a deal. We see guys have success all the time, as long as they can do sorts of things. People are throwing fastballs less than ever. So, you know, yeah, we'll we're see. We're going about that, Shane
1: but, Bieber here in a minute. Same thing. Yeah.
0: And so, so yeah, same sort of thing. Definitely a guy who we should keep our eye on as potentially a back-end starter sometime in the future. And another guy, that gives them three guys, maybe four guys if you're counting Zerpa too, I guess. Five if you're counting Boland. Man, the numbers are adding up here in the upper minors for the Royals. Noah Cameron is another one where you're like, okay, that pitching that they need may be coming along at least a little bit sooner than we worried it would, you know? Let's see here. Lastly, we're going to talk about two other guys who we almost forgot to put on the list because there were just a lot of guys to talk about. <laughs> And so we're going to talk about David Sandlin and Will Klein. Will Klein is a flame throwing right-hander. He's a relief pitcher uh, who was promoted to AAA recently. Sandlin was drafted last year and promoted to high A after dominating in Columbia for a while. Both guys have very small sample sizes at new levels, but uh, Mike, tell us why we should be excited about these two prospects at the, in their new challenges.
1: Well, for me, the, the big one, I've always been a Will Klein fan. You know that, uh, just the the sheer velocity that the guy brings is is not like something we've seen. I mean, other than Araldus Chapman, like he throws that hard, guys. Um, maybe not quite that hard, but he throws a hundred. The guy throws consistently hundred miles per hour. Carlos
0: Hernandez, but, yes, Carlos similar. Hernandez. asked. Five, um, yeah.
1: but uh, Sandlin is the one that that really interests me because he'll be the first college arm that has really gone through the whole new development since the. It was instituted in last year. And so it'll be very interesting to see how he progresses as a prospect moving forward. Really, really did well uh, in, in a ball in Columbia. Now he moves up to quad cities onto a team that seems very stacked and very good. uh, A lot of good players. And so I want to see how he handles that new level, how he handles this new development, how the stuff and the repertoire develops Do pitches get added. Do things get dropped? It's just going to be really interesting to see the prospect-like life of David Sandlin.
0: Yeah, Sandlin's an, such an interesting cat in part because they got him really late in the draft. He, he is the test case of a theory, of a philosophy about how to acquire and develop pitching, right? They got David Sandlin in the 11th round. You can get a lot of David Sandlins in late in the major league draft, right? If you could turn those David Sandlin's into legit pitching prospects, like he looks like he is David Sandlin is like, was like leading the low minors in strikeout. It still might be leading the minor leagues in strikeout rate. Like the guy was dominant at low a, if he can go be dominant in high a, and then potentially make that jump to double a, he, I don't think he would make it this year, maybe one or two starts at the end of the year, but He's a guy who's poised to be like a vanguard of that next wave of Royals pitching. The, you know, Frank Mazzucato, the Ben Kaderna, the Shane Panzini, uh, Luinda Ravila. That class is going to be sort of uh, led by uh, David Sandlin. I'm excited about that. Klein, in a similar way, is the vanguard of a pitching reboot that, or a, a bull a relief pitching b- reboot that needs to happen for the Royals so it's him it's Christian Chamberlain it's Dante Biasi it's those guys who are hopefully going to help support it's Dylan Coleman who are hopefully going to support this next wave of Royals bullpen as they should be trading a lot of their bullpen pieces away at this deadline the good guys are back at home this week against the Guardians and Dodgers two teams who develop pitching and win games regularly boy am I jealous
1: you know <laughs> what's uh, that like? <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, the Royals have the tall task if they hope to have their first winning week of the year. But crazier shit has happened, so we'll see. I mean, have you ever seen? Have you ever seen Balto? What do you the look, movie Balto? I, you should you should never write for me. Okay, you just you should never write for me. <laughs> have you ever
1: seen the movie yeah. Balto?
0: No, I. Uh, That's maybe. a true story. No, <laughs> lie. is that a story about a dog? That it's that a story a about
1: a sled dog that takes medicine to a village that needs it. It is an absolute true story.
0: Okay. Balto, everyone. A crazier story than than the Royals beating the uh, Dodgers at all this week. <laughs> uh, Mike, what are you looking for at that Guardians team? Preview that series for us.
1: Uh, well, the Cleveland Guardians are 37 and 40, three games under 500, which is good enough for second in the AL Central. Okay. Uh, this is going to be, I'm, I'm actually very excited to see this because the Guardians will be pitching their number one prospect in Gavin Williams. And they'll be pitching the guy who was their number eight prospect in Logan Allen. And so you're going to see two young guns from the guardians, two guys we're likely to see for the next six years plus maybe who knows. Um, And so, and then Shane Bieber, who we've seen a million times, Uh, but in the first game, it'll be singer versus Gavin Williams, the 23 year old right-hander out of Eastern Carolina, Uh, 6.35 ERA for him, but he's only had one start in major league baseball. So this will be his second start. Uh, He's got a fastball that says 91. That's not correct fastball in the mid 90s. He leans on that fastball. Uh he's got a sweeper, changeup, cutter. He's their number 1 prospect. He likes his fastball a lot because it's very good. Um and then he's he mixes in the slider or sorry, the sweeper and the curveball. Uh he mixes those in kind of as out pitches, okay? Logan Allen in that second game will go against, we don't know. That's likely going to be the opener game. We're likely to see Hernandez or maybe Cox. Ooh, ooh, maybe Cox will get that start. You think
0: maybe I don't remember the last time he went,
1: he went, he went, I know he pitched the day after the last bullpen game, but I don't think I've seen him since then. So maybe they're holding him back for that. Cross your fingers on that. They got uh, got an
0: off day tomorrow. Yeah. Tomorrow tomorrow. I think. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So they got an off Uh, day
0: tomorrow. So we'll get an extra day off there.
1: So hopefully he uh, we see Austin Cox in that game. Don't know. But they'll go against Logan Allen, 24-year-old right-handed pitcher out of Florida International. He's doing pretty well this year with a 3.68 ERA and a 1.09 whip. He throws a fastball around 91-92. So he's the one that's got the sweeper and the changeup. No, sorry, sweeper, slider, all that sort of stuff. He throws several pitches. He's he got pitches. Throw, Let's just say he throws like, pitches. Uh, he throws a sweeper, a changeup and a cutter, but he doesn't throw the cutter very much. It's not very often Um, solid strikeout to walk percentage at 14%. He's striking out over 20% of batters and his walk rates just around 8%. And so he's just been really solid for them this year. Um, And so the last one is something we're a matchup we're quite familiar with Greinke versus Shane Bieber, the 28 year old right-handed pitcher out of university of California, Santa Barbara Uh, 3.69 ERA 1.23 whip. Uh, We just mentioned it. Shane Bieber does not throw extremely hard anymore. Uh, Fastball in the low 90s, 91, 92. But he's got a cutter, a slider, a curveball, and a changeup. And he mixes all those pitches in very well. Okay. No pitch over 33% of the time. He is a, he's one of the best, I think, spinners of the baseball. He really throws breaking pitches very well. Um, his expected ERA is a run and a half higher than his actual ERA. So there may be some luck involved in there. And so hopefully we can, uh, really get to him because yeah, it's going to be an interesting series against the guardians.
0: After the guardians, the Royals will face a future trade partner, Los Angeles Dodgers. <laughs> <laughs> they are 43 Speaking and 33 into existence, <laughs> <laughs> put it out in the universe, man. You've That's heard right. the secret. Let it happen. Let it happen. Uh, f- Don't believe any of that garbage. Uh, 43-33, and second in the NL West. They are a model organization for Major League Baseball. Uh, They spend a lot of money in free agency because they can. They have a lot of money, but they also develop players better than anybody else. Winners of the 2020 World Series, chock full of talent. They'll be playoff contenders in in the playoffs and contending for a World Series again this year. Uh, their offense is led by four monsters in Freddie Freeman, Will Smith, Mookie Betts, and JD Martinez. All have OPSs over 800. The pitching staff is led by Clayton Kershaw. You might know him. You might have heard of him. Maybe
1: you've heard of him. Uh,
0: he made some comments recently that, uh, you know, uh, puts him, puts him in a little bit of a different light for everybody, I think, but uh, he's having a, he's having another good year on the mound. Anyway, uh, they also have Julio Urias who uh, is having a below average year by his standards. He's just now coming off the IL. He was injured there, but before he went on the IL, he hadn't really pitched. He had been about average, I would say. And mm-hmm. so, yeah. you know, the big boost getting him back, they'll be getting but Dustin May back recently as well. And so, yeah, that team is getting healthy, and they're already super-duper talented. Let's hope we can scrape some of that talent away, because we're going to trade them some bullpen pieces. We'll end this week's episode like we end every episode with our Just About Outside segment, where we talk about something that's interesting to us outside the world of baseball. Mike, I was sure you would take the two-foot putt and take Freedom Fest as your thing, but you didn't
1: do it. Oh, well, I try, I try not to repeat, and I feel like I've talked, you about, have freedom talked about Freedom before. Fest
0: before. so. Good job on you not doing the lazy thing. Mike, tell us about what you're interested in in the world of baseball outside.
1: I actually had two different things I was debating on here. Uh, Both of them come by way of my new subscription to Max or HBO Max, as I still call it, because nobody's buying it for anything else. You're buying it for HBO. Um, And so, but on there, there is a TV show that I had never heard of. And I just ran across it because I was looking for one of my stupid sitcoms to watch. I like to watch sitcoms, people. I don't watch drama TV shows. I no don't. drama. I watch a lot of documentaries. No, no, no,
0: no drama. I watch
1: a lot of sitcoms. That's pretty much it. And so I found a show called Tacoma FD. Okay, for Tacoma Fire Department. And it's I I don't know who makes it necessarily, like the people behind the making of it. Uh, I think it started on the on IFC, the Independent Film Channel. Um but it's got two of the guys from like the super Troopers stuff. And those guys like always make stuff together, you know, actually it's got three of them. <laughs> so I'm thinking it's that consortium. The what's it broken lizard, something lizard. Yeah. That it was called. Uh, and it is hilarious people. It is funny. Imagine if uh, Brooklyn nine, nine, if they were allowed to cuss on Brooklyn nine, nine, it's, it's kind of like that. It's really, really funny. Uh, I'm, I've been really enjoying it. So check that out. I was also going to talk about uh, Turner classic movies, um, cause they have that channel on max on HBO max. And I've been watching some old movies, but I didn't talk about
0: that. No, so. Well, yeah, you actually did. So, uh, I'm going to talk about something that's more important to the world. And that is did y'all hear about this coup in Russia. <laughs> I could not stop following the story from the second I broke to like the 24 hours later when it ended, it was crazy, crazy story. <laughs> so I'm sure you all know the story. Still, uh, 24 hours later. I'm sure you all know the story, but <laughs> uh, let me say, the bloodless some, revolution, some context, but there was no revolution, right? <laughs> some context for I this know, story, right? right? Russia utilizes this private military contractor called the Wagner group or Wagner group, however you want to pronounce it. Uh, they are led by this guy whose last name is Pergosian, and basically he is as scummy and awful a person as you would imagine. They typically use this private military outfit to do a bunch of shit overseas, like help fighting in Syria to suppress the revolution they were having there and in Africa and stuff like that. They essentially do Russia's military bidding outside of Russia until Russia invaded Ukraine in which case then they went to Ukraine and now they're some of the most effective fighting force that Russia has on the front lines of the battle against Ukraine because they're these battle-hardened soldiers who've got a lot of experience and all that sort of stuff. The dude who runs them does not get along with the Russian military and the people who lead it. And so he just decided, I'm taking all of my troops and I'm going to march to Moscow. Don't know what his end game was there. Don't know what he was going to do when he got there. So he starts marching all of his troops to Russia and he's actually moving a lot faster than really Russia can prepare for, okay? And so he's 120 miles from Moscow. They took over a a city in Russia. Rostov. He's 120 miles from Moscow. Yes, Rostov. And he (laughs) is 120 miles from Moscow when he finally comes to a deal with Putin. Now, what I'm hearing from the pundits that I listen to is that uh, people who are former national security experts, by the way, um, is that like he saw that he wasn't getting that much support from anybody. And so he took the best deal he could get, which was exile to Belarus. The only question I want you probably already know all that. The, the question I want to pose, and the things I'm thinking about most is if you're this guy, how do you imagine you are going to live out the year? Like, how do you imagine you were going to be alive in six months? Like it c- cannot be nope. possible. Belarus is controlled by a Russian puppet who lives there. Okay. Who, who's president there. Right. How do you, how do you, in my mind, I got to think if I'm going to Moscow, I'm going to Moscow or I'm dying because I'm dead anyway. Right? <laughs> exactly. What makes you stop and be like, no, no, no. I think I've made my point. And then like, I think I'll, I'll retire to Belarus now or whatever. Like, what are you? Are you insane? You're about to fall out of a window. So <laughs> no, no. you're about to fall you're out. You're about of a
1: to have window. a very mysterious Come heart on. attack or car crash. Okay. Uh- <laughs> you're going to
0: drink a cup of coffee that tastes real funny soon. Okay. Like that's how it's going to go for you. But if you're going to go to Moscow, go to Moscow, man, go for it. You're, you're dead either way. Go for it. Your only way to live out this is if you win. And so I don't understand why he stopped, but you know what?
1: It, it makes what it for is. great uh, uh, television that's though
0: oh somebody's gonna make the most hilarious movie about this moment like i want to i want to see who's the guy who did the other guys and big short and
1: Uh, i can't remember his name who's
0: who's the director i can't andy mckay yeah he needs to do a movie about this because it's going to be hilarious okay uh anyway that's my two cents on the russian coup which which never was (laughs) uh, apparently or the the revolution that was not uh We'll talk about another revolution, about the Kansas City Royals revolution next week when they go undefeated this Uh week. Come back and hear us then. Until then, be good to each other. And go Royals.